0: But I was like, listen, you didn't save my life for me not to live it. I have to go. Like, I have to do this. Like, this is my whole life. Like, this is what I I need. I need to do this. If
1: you're a professional singer, want to know how to turn singing into a career, or simply love to hear stories from singers on the road... Then The Working Singer is the podcast for you. I chat with pro singers about how they make a creative living in the music business, lending their talent to stars like Enrique Iglesias, The Killers, Elvis Costello, and more. They share life lessons, business advice, and how they make a living when they're off the road. We'll also discuss vocal health, technique, performance, coaching, and pretty much all things vocal. Elevate your approach to your singing career, get enlightened about what the pros do, and be inspired with new ideas that you can make your own. My name is Jamila Ford, and this is The Working Singer Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I am so excited that you are here. Thanks for joining me again this week. I'm really excited about this episode. I have to say, um, we've got Leslie Page on this week, and love her story. Um, We—how did I get to know Leslie? I had actually answered a post on a um, a singer's Facebook page. She was looking for somebody to fill in for her um, at a venue in Palm Springs called Farm. And she was going to be on the road with Joe Walsh, and she needed somebody to uh, take her place. So I did a few gigs there, and it was a lot of fun. Great venue, excellent tips. And, you know, I love Palm Springs, so I had a really good time. And, you know, we got to know each other a little bit through that. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear Leslie's story. She is just a jewel of a human being. And she has so many wonderful insights. She's been through a lot. And I feel like you this is somebody that you guys can really relate to. Um But before we get into that, let me tell you a little bit about my weekend, I got to get into some really fun music. Um, Did a gig with the Jimmy Bond Orchestra, (laughs) which is um, basically some James Bond music, music from the James Bond films, and then some music from that era. I got to sing some Nancy Sinatra songs, and um, we did some Shirley Bassey, or is it Basie? Shirley Bassey? Yikes. Songs who, you know, the other singer covered the Shirley Bassey songs, but I have to say, you know, she was just like, oh, you have to see her do um, her version of, um, well, the original version of Goldfinger, which I hadn't, um, I don't believe I'd ever seen. So I looked it up. You know, we were sitting there at dinner before the gig and um, Meryl, it was the other singer on the gig. She's just amazing. She has just one of these yummy voices. And um, she was like, yeah, look it up. And so I decided to do that, and it's just fabulous. What an actress. What a singer. I was just like, my goodness. And the one that I happened to look up, the the performance that I happened to look up, which I think you guys should look up, um, which is just amazing, um, was Shirley Bassey at Royal Albert Hall. And I believe it was 1964. And she just looks friggin' amazing and the performance is just so much fun and so sexy and you know we've talked a bit on the show about being a performer maybe versus a sing just a singer there's nothing wrong with being just a singer but you know really giving life to the story that you're telling so i feel like this is like such a wonderful example of that just embodying the song it is one of the sexiest performances i've ever seen and um i'm gonna put it in the uh, show notes so you guys can check it out if you're interested but i love it love it love it love the whole era love the clothes love the hair love the makeup the song was fab. You know, it's it's just everything. So watch it. Tell me what you think. But that was a fun gig. We did it at the Metropolitan Club in San Francisco. Played James Bond or like early James Bond era music, you know, music from that uh, time period. Nancy Sinatra stuff. And we did some like a Sonny and Cher song and It was just a lot of fun. Stuff you don't normally do because, you know, we've got our sort of standard stuff that we do as singers um, at these gigs. And we all know the song list. (laughs) So it was refreshing to do some stuff like this. The wonderful horn section, rhythm section was amazing. And of course, the other two singers were fabulous. And uh, for the most part, the band was from that area. And a couple of his singers were were flown in. Myself and my friend Paul, who I've I've sung with a, a number of times, and he is really incredible, just a soulful mofo, I gotta say. So we also have a um, an episode, a bonus episode coming up this Thursday, I believe. We'll be recording it on Tuesday, so this Thursday, just about you know being singers, being in the music business being in the world remaining mindful and intentional and i'm going to be having that conversation with Celia Chavez which i'm really excited about you know really just going to be shooting the breeze and i think i'm going to make a i'm going to make a list of things that i'd like to address you know that have come up within our group and you know before you join the group there are a list of questions that you generally answer um, before I, I press the approval button and I, I usually read those and I take a note of, of what kinds of things you guys are concerned with and a lot of it is um, some of it is some health issues and, and you know if you noticed I've had a couple of singers on um, including Leslie today um, and Valerie Gilio a few weeks ago who have had some serious health challenges come up Um, But also, you know, there is confidence stuff that has come up and just the belief in ourselves. I was going through some of the best quotes from um, some of the episodes over this year because I'm putting together a little something for you guys. Sort of an end of the year uh, compilation if you will. Um, So I was going through the quotes that I'd made a note of um, from each episode. And someone had said, you know, a lot of what we this business, a lot of what we're doing is based on our belief in ourselves, and our faith in ourselves, you know, in our own ability, in our resilience, ultimately, I think it's ultimately a big, a big part of this is just being resilient, because we're really in the business of hearing no, all the time. So I think for many of us, that wears on our confidence and our belief in ourselves. And it does take a lot to be able to hear no, constantly, and then move forward. And we get those yeses. But I gotta say, that does wear you down. <laughs> so I think, you know, um, well, I know that that's one of the things that we are gonna be talking about on Thursday or Tuesday for you to hear on Thursday is, you know, just that um, how do we remain resilient or become resilient after all of that? And, you know, our business isn't the only thing this music business our singing isn't the only thing going on in our lives we've got other things going on whether it's health challenges or it's relationships with our families or our spouses um you know our bosses band leaders or the boss at the day job or or whatever it is all of it can be sort of in a pressure cooker and so you know how do we care for ourselves in the midst of all of that because we can't really avoid stress so how do we handle it and so you know we're going to get into some stuff like that um, but I, I have fun talking about stuff like that and I hope that you guys um, and it's just important to do and you know neither of us are psychiatrists or psychologists or anything like that but um, you know Celia is certainly one of my wiser friends. <laughs> All of my friends are wise, but she's a great person to, you know, have those kinds of conversations with and and um I think you guys will benefit from hearing what she uh thinks and and what um what we come to in our conversation. So, I'm excited for you guys to hear that. Um so that's what's coming up and um I'm going to give some more updates after the um, after the interview because we've got some events coming up so I want to give you details and all of that um, but we've got Leslie page on today and I am excited about that um, you guys are really gonna enjoy this uh, Leslie has sung back up for various people including um, including Joe Walsh who you know has really been a um, a good friend to her. And I think it's a beautiful thing when that can happen with somebody that uh, you work for. He and, and, his, and his lovely wife have uh, really uh, shown great care. And, and I think that's a beautiful thing. But, you know, we talk about Leslie's sort of a transformational experience that she had battling leukemia. So we get into that and really how that helped her to heal some wounds with her her family which is such a miraculous thing you know it's really one of those situations where the illness you know we want to heal the illness but then there's also the ways in which the illness can heal you and heal certain things about your life so i think this is an amazing conversation anyway without further ado the amazing leslie page Leslie, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to have you on.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure.
1: Yeah. Um, so we'll get right into it. Um, where are you from? Where did you grow up?
0: Uh, I grew up in Orange County, um in Irvine, mm-hmm. actually. Um Yeah, I, I was born in Georgia in a little military base. Yeah. Uh in Hinesville. But um uh, I was born in July. So my mom was very miserable in the Georgia weather, yeah. um, being pregnant <laughs> in oh, the summertime God. on a military base in one of those cracker jack box houses. Oh, man. Um and uh then we moved out to um San Diego in Ramona, East San Diego County, uh to my grandparents until I was about two. And then we moved out to Irvine.
1: Mm.
0: And I lived there, I grew up there and lived there until I was about 22. So wow. I lived in the same apartment for 22 22 years? 20 years? Wow. Yeah.
1: What was life like growing
0: up? <laughs> I had a very interesting life actually. Um my parents divorced when I was a baby, which is why we ended up in uh San Diego. Mm. Um wasn't really around. He wasn't really around, so it was basically just me and my mom. Mm. And um she had had some experiences before I was born where she, it prompted her to be very overprotective of me. Mm. So she actually, um, uh, because you know, my dad wasn't paying child support or anything like that at the time. Um, so we went on welfare mm. until I was able to go into kindergarten cause she didn't trust anybody to take care of me. Mm. So she wanted to make sure I was safe. And so it was me and her in a little HUD housing apartment in Irvine, California. Mm. And that was a total God thing. You know, she prayed about it and you know, there were a few different options, but she was really looking at Irvine. That's back when it was just orange groves, Mm. (laughs) orange groves and ant hills. (laughs) There wasn't really much of anything going on. Uh, now it's become its own little, little crazy city, but, um, we grew up there and it was just me and her for quite a few years. And then she started dating when I was around seven Mm. And the second guy that she dated was a musician. He was a guitar player. Mm. And so um, uh, I was the kid in the corner of all the bars and gigs, you know, coloring in my coloring book because I was too young to stay home alone. So I was toted around to all of the gigs and sessions and things. And I hated it so much. <laughs> I hated it. I just wanted to be home. But, you know, now I look back and I go, oh, that's where I got all of. You know, a lot of my musical influence um, was just being around musicians, having musicians in and out of the house all the time, um, jam sessions in our living room and rehearsals and Mm. equipment thrown around everywhere. And, but also my uh, mom's two brothers were guitar players. Mm. So uh, my grandmother was a singer too. Mm. Uh, She was actually friends with Kay Ballard before Kay Ballard was Kay Ballard. Mm. And her name was Katie Ballotta. And when they were teenagers, they'd sneak out of their house to go sing on the radio live when that was a thing. Wow. So my grandma would always sing to me and we, you know, singing was just every part of my life. And, you know, um, with my two uncles, they're guitar players. And mm. one of them, uh, was, uh, very heavily involved in worship. He was the, um, wor- a worship leader at big Calvary in Costa Mesa, which is a big, um, church mm. thing there. And, a couple of my cousins are big in worship ministry and worship music. And Mm. one of them actually just got a dev award last week. Oh, wow. It's awesome. Uh, but, um, yeah, so there's just always been music in the family. I just grew up around that, but because, you know, this musician that my mom was dating was a very abusive alcoholic, Mm. um, music and headphones were my refuge (laughs) Mm. and I just, you know, stuck my headphones on and sang through it and, You know, so music not only was just what I love to do, but it was also what got me through a lot of things. Mm. So that was basically my childhood, even to the point where he uh, got a gig traveling with a circus. He was in a band and uh, my mom took me out of fourth grade and we traveled around. (laughs) We ran away and joined the circus when I was (laughs) the summer. I turned 10 and, you know, celebrated my 10th birthday in New York City with that circus, the Bentley Brothers Circus. Wow! <laughs> you know, parked next to ligers and camels and bears and <laughs> uh. clowns and high wire people. It was. I had a pretty interesting childhood. <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah.
1: Interesting. Oh my gosh! Um, did you uh, do music in school?
0: I did. I did singing in school. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. I know we had some singing stuff like in kindergarten, Mm a little bit in school, but um, in middle school, I think it was actually sixth grade that I started going to public school because I was going to a private school before then. Um, But the public school, I wanted to play an instrument, but we couldn't afford the deposit Mm. because we didn't have any money. So I had, I had to take choir because it was free (laughs) Mm because my instrument already came intact. Right. But, um, (laughs) <laughs> but you know, I think I would have done it no matter what, but yeah, I was in choir all through school and uh, middle school and high school. We did uh classical the first half of the year. And then we did show choir the second half of the year. So my life was very much Glee before Glee came out. Mm, yeah, <laughs> We actually talked about having a, like, we should make a show about this. This would be a great TV show about this crazy life. And you know, of course, you know, 20 years later, they did it, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I was always singing in school and, and, uh, church and,
1: yeah,
0: and stuff like that.
1: So you leave, uh, school, you leave high school and then what happens?
0: So I, uh, actually, I started working for Arthur Murray Dance Studio. Oh, wow. Um, cause when I was 15, a friend of mine and I, uh, we went on New Year's Eve to, um, this restaurant in orange called memories and they had swing dancing. And it was because it was a restaurant as a young person, I was able to go in. I was allowed to go in and we were so hooked on swing dancing and Lindy hop. That's when like, you know, like the late nineties when the whole swing thing was like really in everyone was going to Disneyland. They were dressing up, doing the whole thing. And we were just, I was so hooked. I just, the first night I remember there was a second Level and you could look down at the dance floor, and I was just staring at all these people and just going, Oh my gosh, I have to know how to do this. Because also, when I was little, I, I did ballet, tap and jazz, and stuff, so I was always, yeah, you know, dancing anyway. And so, I was hooked, and we went three nights a week Mondays, Fridays, and Saturday nights. Mm. We went swing dancing every single week for like two and a half years. Wow! So, and then all, there was an Arthur Murray close by, so all of the teachers would come after work. And so we became friends with them and they were hiring. And so right out of high school, I graduated and started their training program that summer wow. and I was teaching by August. And so I actually put singing on hold mm. and I wasn't really, and I, I was doing school. I had to be in school full time in order because we were still on HUD housing and still on government. So, you, you know, once you turn 18, if you're working, if you're in school full time, they don't take a part of your, you know, a percentage of your income too. So I was in school and I, I took stuff in college, but it just didn't really interest me. Mm. I just took all the stuff that I was interested in. Um, but I was teaching from one to 10 Monday through Friday. Mm. So I was going to school from like seven, eight in the morning till noon and then going to work after that. And I just, I just felt like, why do I need this? I'm already doing what I love to do. You know, I just didn't really see the value in it at the time. Yeah. And I, I think even if I did, you know I, I think now if I went back, I'd, I'd probably enjoy it more. yeah because I'd know more what I was looking for. I think back then I was just doing it because I had to, so I didn't really yeah. invest what I could have um, in that. Um, but after a year of working from 1 to ten, Monday through Friday, and not singing a lick, I was really not happy. I mm. missed singing. I missed music and doing musicals and you know I just missed that outlet. Cause I felt like I just went from one of my artistic outlets to another, but there mm. wasn't really a marriage of the two and I was not happy. Yeah. So I quit and found another studio that allowed me to work part-time. And I did that for a while and I bounced around. I worked at a couple of different dance studios throughout the years and I did a musical, you know, and then I realized, okay, this community theater is really fun, but I can't pay my bills with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause it just doesn't pay what, I would have needed to survive. So I did one musical and, um, you know, then life kind of caught up with me and I got in a relationship that ended poorly. And then my life just kind of went in this downward spiral and I didn't really know what I was doing, Mm. kind of living day to day. And I didn't really care whether I lived or died. I was making bad choices and I just didn't have any vision or direction. Mm. And then my friend, my friend, Tani, Tani Dolly, I don't know if you know her. No. Uh, she's a singer. She's a really fantastic singer. She's on. Um, she's actually in the show, A Night with Janice Joplin. Oh yeah. Right now, but she and I have known each other since sixth grade. And um, she said, "Girl, you need to get out of here. There's an audition for a cruise ship. Mm. You're going to it, and you need to get the heck out of here. You just need. You know, I never went away to college. I never got to leave. I just, you know, I lived in the same apartment since I was like 22. Mm. And so I went to that audition. And that was the first time I had uh, auditioned in quite a few years mm. and they literally followed me out of the audition telling me I was hired. And wow. I just felt like, and I prayed before I was like, okay, God, like if you want me to go, like, just make, let this happen. Mm. And you know, they literally chased me out of the audition saying, Hey, we just want you to know we're hiring you. So <laughs> just hold your, hold your schedule. That's and um, that was with Holland America. And so I did a contract with them um, for seven months. And that was kind of my first back into singing mm. thing that I did. Yeah. And I did that for seven months. I got to see the world. I had an amazing contract. I was working in the Mediterranean, mm. Eastern and Western Mediterranean. So I got to oh, see wow. Europe for free, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, um, but then it was coming to an end and I had the choice whether or not I wanted to extend my contract or leave. And at that point I was like, okay, you know, they were having some requirements, you know, cause a lot of times these shows, they want you to look a certain way, be a certain weight, all this kind of stuff. And mm. I had kind of always struggled with weight just because of, you know, growing up without coping mechanisms that, you know, so many of us end up with eating disorders and that was my issue. Mm. And so I realized I was like, I'm not gonna kill myself for this job. Mm. Yeah. You know, because they wanted me to look a certain way and, you know, compared to all the dancers, they were all like five, two and I'm five, seven and a half. So I'm already looking bigger. So (laughs) I was like, I really don't want to kill myself for this. So I think, you know, I'm going to go. And so, and again, I prayed, I was like, okay, God, like, I don't know where you want me to go, but you know, just tell me what you want me to do next. Mm. And normally on a cruise ship, you're not going to turn your cell phone on because that's expensive, you know, yeah. <laughs> expensive. But for whatever reason, I turned on my phone and I had a voicemail mm. and it was from my friend Vernon Porter. He's a bass player, really great bass player, known him since I was a little kid, met him through the boyfriend of my mom at the time. And uh, he was working at a church um, in Orange County and they needed a singer to be like, you know, they're hired on singer. Cause they were basically just using volunteers. And he's like, I heard you might be coming back into town. I would really love for you to come and sing with us. It would be a paid position. And we're doing all this really great gospel music, like Israel hooting, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, God, like this yeah. is a sign. Like I literally asked you what you want me to do next. And then I turn on my phone and I get this voice. Memo. Wow. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm coming home. And, uh, so I started working there and singing at that church, which was really great. Cause it, you know, I was still kind of floating in my own, you know, i had always grown up with a relationship with God, but you know, you kind of fall back when you deal with hard things. And mm-hmm. I was kind of on my own at that time and, um, but always connected, you know, you, you never lose that connection, but, um, and then I started working with um, one of the other musicians that was playing in the band. He, I actually also had known since I was like nine <laughs> and we ended up starting to do little gigs, duo stuff, cause he was a piano player um, at different restaurants and things. And, um, and from then on, I, uh, uh, we were working together. This is really going on long. Is, is this answering your question? Oh yeah, no. <laughs> I feel like I'm giving you my whole life story. <laughs> no, that's, that's what I hear. Um, Yeah, and uh, so then we ended up getting a job at a restaurant called Mastros in uh, Crystal Cove and Newport Beach, and we started working there together. And um, we're we're there off and on for like ten years. No, and uh, he ended up. We ended up becoming an item (laughs) we ended up getting married actually oh wow (laughs) and divorced fairly soon after Uh, Uh, we don't need to go into all that but it wasn't meant to be yeah um but it was around that time it was just after I had gotten married and I was starting to do some session work starting to do some you know little things like that here and there outside Mm -hmm. of just the restaurant gigs and um outside of the worship leading and all that stuff I ended up through that church being ordained as a worship pastor which was a cool thing yeah you know to to be able to do that Mm -hmm. and um and I was auditioning for you know all the shows everyone's every five minutes at that restaurant I swear to you someone was like you should really audition for American Idol have you ever auditioned for American Idol you should go audition for American Idol I was like if I had a dollar
1: Oh my gosh.
0: For every time. <laughs> and you can't go through the whole story because of course, you know, I did audition for all those shows. Yes. I did that cattle call where you show up at like three in the morning. Yes. You know, and whose voice is gonna sound good sitting outside in the cold at three in the morning? Yeah. You know, and then waiting and waiting and waiting, and then you have to sing and be impressive. And yeah, you know, interestingly enough, I've auditioned for every one of those shows. Yeah. The voice, X Factor. American Idol. Um, and I always made it through to the executive producers. Mm. And then for whatever reason, they decide decided to go in a different direction, which is fine. Yeah. You know, that's just one mode of people getting where they need to go. I just never really felt that was what I wanted to do, but everyone was telling me I should do it, so I did it. Yeah. Um, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know I, I was just having a conversation with uh maya sykes i don't know if you yeah. know her and, and yeah she, i do um just talking about her whole experience on the voice and uh you know i i've auditioned for that too and we do all the auditions we're all aware it's like yeah we we're our but one thing we were talking about was just like you know nobody has to ask us if we ever thought
0: about auditioning <laughs> right Audit- yes we have yeah <laughs> yeah we're all aware yeah <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> yes we know that that's the oh you really should because okay yeah I know I should yeah yeah but it's cool you know I've even had people come up and go you know you should really consider doing this like professionally and I'm like well what do you think I'm doing here like <laughs> I, right. I am getting paid for this. Yes. Uh, technically I'm being professional. Nobody dragged me here and made me. <laughs> exactly. This is not my volunteer time. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's, it's such a funny life that we live, you know, yeah. it's a really funny um, industry and, you know, but I, that's why I've always sort of like, you know, especially after getting sick, it just, especially after getting sick, it really just reiterated what I always felt, which is, you know, I just never felt like I needed to go that way or go the way that everybody else thinks I need to go. And, Mm. um, everybody has an idea of what they think we should be doing right with our lives. Um, and that's cool. You know, it's nice to know that people care that much, right. (laughs) But, um, you know, I think the important thing for any artist is to know why we're doing what we do. Mm. You know, I've really learned to check my intention. Yes. Check my intention um of why I'm doing what I'm doing. So like, you know, everyone was telling me when it came to recording music, like for my own personal projects, you know, um, well, what kind of music are you gonna do? What um what style of music are you gonna do? Because you know, as a session singer or just as a singer, you know we have a lot of different styles to our voice and yeah. it could be jazz. It could be R and B. It could be gospel. It could be, you know, pop. It could be, you know, but people kept telling me, well, you have to pick a lane. You have to pick a lane and, yeah. you know, cause you're going to confuse your audience mm. and do all this and that. And so for years I would, I, I just stood there in front of all these options looking, should I go this route? Should I go this route? Should I go? Yeah. But ultimately I just ended up doing nothing. And then I was like, okay, I'm just doing nothing here. (laughs) I need to do something. So I'm just going to pick one and go with it. And if I like it, I'll do more of that. And if I don't, okay, then I did it. I tried it and now I'm going to go do this. So a couple of years ago I was on tour because anyway, back up. So right after I get married and I auditioned for the X factor, Mm -hmm. um, I knew I wasn't going to get called after that third, that third round, mm-hmm. I just had this feeling and I had gotten a phone call from a friend of mine, uh, Lou Pardini. He's a, he's a keyboard player. He actually plays with, um, Chicago, the band. Mm-hmm. And I had met him through Mastro's and cause he lived kind of down there at the time. And we were doing some writing together. And he calls me up one day, like literally three or four days after I get back from San Francisco for that audition. Cause it was up North. And he's like, Hey, um, you know, I was just wondering if you would ever be interested in singing background vocals for Joe Walsh. And I was like, <laughs> I hate to say this, and I'm sorry, Joe, if you're listening to this, but I had to Google it because I didn't, I didn't grow up listening to classic rock. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know who that is, but sure. And of course, then I listened to the music. I'm like, oh, of course, life in the fast lane. Yes. Life's been good. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, I know. But I didn't know the name off, you know, when he asked me. Yeah. And so, um, I ended up auditioning for that and getting that job. And, um, so we had been touring off and on for a few years and I had saved up some money to do a project. And then I moved out here to the desert and my air conditioner ran out (laughs) and I needed to buy a new car. So I, um, had about $10,000 saved to put towards a record. I was going to do a jazz album because I just, I've always really liked jazz Mm. and it's always come really naturally Mm -hmm. to me. And so I wanted to do something that I knew would be easy. And I hate to say that, like, you know, we should want to challenge ourselves, but, you know, for some, for doing like a project for the first time, I kind of wanted to do something that I was really familiar with and see where that went. Yeah. Um, but then I had to buy a car. (laughs) So (laughs) the project went on the back burner so that I I could buy a new car. Um, and then ultimately, um, I ended up getting some backers and we did this project. Mm. Um, and I partnered up with my friend, Tony Guerrero. He's a fantastic flugelhorn trumpet horn player, producer, arranger. I mean, he literally does everything. He's incredible. And he partnered up with me to do this project. And so we finally did something and I did something nice and it felt really awesome to do it and have the money to hire the great musicians and be in the actual recording studio and actually, yeah. you know, bring something from beginning to middle to end, yeah. you know, and that was really exciting, but I realized I think I'm more of an artist than a performer because the minute it was done, I was like, okay, that's done. What am I doing now? <laughs> uh- you know, everyone's like, "What are you going to do with this record? Where are you going to take it? What are you going to do?" And mm. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Wherever it goes, I don't know. Yeah, you know. And so I put it out. I put it out on my birthday to kind of bribe people to buy it as a birthday present. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it came out, and um, you know, I just wanted to do something, mm. and 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 finish something, and. Mm look at it and go, I made this. And we wrote some songs. I actually wrote some music, which was also a big, scary thing for me because, you know, I have so much life experience and so many things to draw from, but Mm. I, I, I didn't want to glorify those things. I didn't want to, I thought if I write about it, whoever was involved is going to think that it was that impactful that I had to write about it and my life is so affected mm. by it. And I didn't want that attachment. But then I realized all the best songs and all my favorite songs are the heartbreaking songs, mm. are the emotional songs. Yeah. Because we all relate to that. Yeah. And so it changed my perspective on on writing those kind of things because I realized like people need to hear that they're not alone. Yes. And that what we've been through they've been through and they can relate and it's not about me glorifying some horrible thing that happened in my past but drawing from that and showing people hey there's another side and I'm on the other side of this thing and you know we feel it we're allowed to feel it and move through it and we can even write about it yes but that doesn't mean anything beyond that it doesn't mean, oh, I'm still holding on to this thing. And so I'm oh. writing all these sad songs about it, you know, but that's why I've, I've had a, a really hard time writing. Mm. Um, because I mean, I don't even like watching sad movies. I just want to watch all the happy stuff. Cause it's like, there's enough sadness in life. Yeah. I don't need to entertain myself with more sadness or more yeah. stress or more scary things. Like I don't watch scary movies. Like, you know, I just, I just want to be entertained by things that are happy yeah, and joyful.
1: Absolutely. Why you not? Know?
0: Yeah. But anyway. And I yeah. think
1: of writing, you know, writing about these things is a way to kind of transform them, you know. Um, yeah. It's just making it into a positive, getting perspective and, you know, creating that connection with other people, you know, saying, I see you. I've been through yeah. this too. And you are not alone. We always think we're alone. We're in, in the midst of, you know, this like deep pain or, or these, you know, terrible experiences and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. So I, I think it's just, it's a connection too, you know, yeah. to other people as well.
0: I agree. And I think my issue has always been because I've been so hurt by people that I didn't want to be vulnerable. Absolutely. I didn't want to open yes. myself up to that. And yeah. I think so many of us struggle with that. Like, yeah. you know, I put on a brave face, so why am I now going to go back and show how sad it really was? you know like there's there's a little bit of pride in there i think yeah you know that pride of like i've got this i you know but that being vulnerable with people you know and maybe it's easier it's i think it's easier with strangers than it is with people that you know but of course um you know even with strangers like i think sometimes i just didn't want to let myself even open that door yeah You know, I didn't want to even look at it. It's like, I'm over that. I'm done with that. I don't need to, you know, but then kind of cracking back in and saying, wow, there's some really great stuff in there. There's Mm. some, there's some music in that. Like if music got me through it, why shouldn't there be, you know, why shouldn't I draw from those things? Yes. You know, being vulnerable is hard and scary. Yeah. (laughs) Of course. You
1: know, it's funny. I mean, so many of us singers have a tough time with that. And it's just interesting because we kind of have to be vulnerable for a living, you know, Mm -hmm. In a, in a way, it's not like you have to lay everything out there, but certainly if you're going to write, you know, too, it's just kind of interesting that, that our life has chosen this profession, you know,
0: yeah.
1: um, it says to me that, uh, you know, as far, as far as making that connection and maybe possibly helping other people through it, it's just something that maybe in this lifetime, you know, we want to, we, our life wants to transform or something, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, um, because you didn't become an accountant, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't go into finance, right. you went into like emoting and creativity and connection right. and, and putting yourself out there and, and all of that. So what do you right. what do you think of, of that? What do you um
0: Well, I, I find about? it so interesting. Like most artists that I know, most in any form, whether they're musicians or singers or whatever. They're actually introverts. Yeah. You know, even Joe Walsh, like, he is one of the most insane, incredible guitar players I've ever, ever heard. Mm. And when he's on stage, like, sometimes I forget that I'm standing behind him on stage, too, like, working because I'm just, like, mouth dropped and in awe. But once he's off the stage, he's actually a very mellow, chill mm. guy. Like, you know, he, he's a man of few words. Mm. What he, when he does speak, it's, it, it's meaningful. You yeah. know, he's not one to just blah, 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 blah. But I think there's a misconception with performers and artists that we're like that all the time. Mm-hmm. And that we need to be like that in our personal life if that's what we are in our professional life. Right. And it's really not that it's really the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, but I tell you, like, it's really special when I'm singing one night and somebody's like crying, Mm. like you, you can bring them to tears and like connect with somebody in a really incredible way and everything else, just disappears like the whole world just disappears it's like that scene in West Side Story where Maria and Tony see each other for the first time and everything just you know all the other people just kind of vanish and it's just the two of them in that moment and Mm. you know I think it's really it's a really cool thing that we get to do even though sometimes it can be exhausting you know sometimes we need to just like be quiet for a couple of hours afterwards like you know yeah and you're just giving so much all the time. Absolutely, you know?
1: I mean, you couldn't really live like that. I mean, there'd be nothing for the stage if off the yeah. stage, <laughs> right? <laughs> you see the stage, and you're like, ah! everybody, is, <laughs> you know, it might be a bit much for the people in your life as well. <laughs> right. So,
0: right, <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, and I even think of I'm like in my mind, Robin Williams is coming to mind mm. because he was so on, you know, in his persona. In, in, in his performance, he was so charismatic and so funny and so over mm-hmm. the top, but really on the inside, he was sad and depressed yeah. and, you know, it, it, almost, it was almost so extreme on one side that it was so extreme on the other. Yeah. Like the pendulum swung so far both ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so common. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's also why it's so important as artists that like, we need to be supportive of each other. Yeah. And, um, you know, because, you know, what we do is is hard, it's emotional, you know? yeah. It's like, you know, being in a play where you have to cry. I remember we, I did Godspell one time and like we had to like cry every show and mm. it wasn't fake crying, like it was emotionally draining, just mm. bringing that part out. Mm and um it's the same with music i mean i think music is one of the most incredibly heart piercing soul piercing spirit piercing things Mm. where you know you can say so many things and you're not even saying words you're just singing
1: Mm. you know
0: um it's really powerful
1: absolutely yeah that's very beautifully put um what was it like Uh, you know, getting that show with Joe Walsh and touring with him and and watching him and and all of that.
0: It's probably my favorite thing that's ever happened in my whole life. I love, I mean, we literally, like, we all still talk and communicate with each other, Mm. like, on a daily, like, we just love each other so much, like, and the really incredible thing is, because this was my first tour, and it's really the only tour that I've ever, had the only artist that I've ever worked with long term like this. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget in the audition, in the first audition, we're at Joe's house in his little downstairs studio area. And at one point he says, "You know, we're all going to be on a bus together, so we can't have any assholes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and it, you know, it and every single person that he chooses for his tours like you have to have the talent to get in the door obviously you have to know what you're doing but like really he's looking for the right personalities like the right heart of people and like literally it's a love fest like we never get sick of each other like Mm. all we want to do is be together Mm. um I you know we I talk with you know the singers i we sing with wendy wagner yeah um lois mahalia and um ricky washington um those are the singers and then we've had a few different musicians over the years but really we all stay in touch and we all talk and i mean it's it's so i love touring and maybe it's because you know i travel with the circus when i was a kid and we were Mm. doing a tour day touring so i have no problem living out of a suitcase you know, he takes such good care of us and and it's really, it's just so much fun. Um, it doesn't feel like work at all. Like we're singing classic rock. We're singing like yeah. in the city. Uh-huh. I mean, like yeah. who doesn't love, you know, all that. And, you know, some of my favorite moments we'd be doing like these outdoor festivals in the middle of the summer and it's like the Midwest and you're just sweating and sweating bullets and Mm. you know, the sun's starting to go down and there's just thousands of people in the audience. And you're just like, there's just this magic that's happening. Mm. And, and it's really, it's every single moment of every single memory that I have with every single tour that I've been on with Joe has just been some of my best in my whole entire life. Even my mom says like, you seem most happy when you're out on the road. Like I've never seen you so happy. It's just, it's, it's, yeah. it's great. Mm. And I'm happy for him. Cause you know, the Eagles are doing their thing right now. So we haven't been able to do any shows or anything, but yeah. you know, I'm, I'm so thankful for that time. And I mean, and, and all the other musicians that we've gotten to sing with because of him, you know, we've done, um, we did a whole thing when his analog man album came out that was my first tour with him that was in 2012 Mm -hmm. and we we hit nashville and we did cmt crossroads so we got to sing with all the country people we were singing with brad paisley and kenny chesney and luke bryan and hunter hayes and billy gibbons of zz top and Mm. and uh um sarah evans we did that show with her and you you never know who's going to show up to a show and sit in on rocky mountain way that's usually our encore song and you know, the, the big moment was when Ringo came out on stage and played wow. with us and we were just like, Oh my God, <laughs> that's Ringo's star. <laughs> he touched my shoulder, yes. <laughs> but it's like no big deal. Cause they're brothers in law. Mm. So like, you know, it's, it's just been he, it's such an incredible blessing to have been a part of all of that. And I would love to do more. I don't know if we will or not, but yeah, because um, the Eagles have got a lot going on in the next couple of years, but um, you know, and they're still playing and sounding amazing. Oh God, but, so good! I love all yeah. that harmonizing. God, oh, oh, it's so, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. So I saw them at the Forum this uh, for their la- their show at the Forum last time, and they opened with Seven Bridges Road, and it, li- I mean, just killer harmonies, like just chills up your whole body just yeah. it's, I love singing harmonies. I yeah. love singing background vocals. I yeah. think that's so much more fun <laughs> than being the lead. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, there's something so great about locking into those parts mm. and, and having that blend with people and that connection with people. I, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's really what it is is the connection that you have with people when you sing together mm. and you find that, I don't know if it's just the sound waves all connecting together in a certain way that it just, yeah, it just feels like, uh amazing. Yeah. Just blend, <laughs> blend in tone, just uh, mashed together. And it's yeah. just so awesome. So mm. awesome.
1: Yeah. I almost think of it like, as like Legos coming together, like some kind of completion, yeah. like this is like locked in. Yeah. It's right. <laughs> totally. You know? Yeah. I love that. Totally. Mm-hmm. So what have you been doing since um Joe Walsh, what has life been like?
0: Well, um in between two contracts, I um ended up being diagnosed with leukemia. Mm. And so um that was a major detour in my life for a minute. <laughs> um mm. And so, yeah, I, um, it was actually, we were doing a little one-off, or maybe like two little one-offs in New York in December with Joe. Mm-hmm. And I was not feeling super great. I was kind of under the weather and not feeling good. Yeah. And um, in January was when I ended up being diagnosed. Mm. And, um, you know, he wasn't touring at the time. So I was like, okay, that's, you know, cool. <laughs> you know, I'm not like holding anything up. Um, But, you know, obviously going through that, they, you know, the only cure is a bone marrow transplant. So, Mm. you know, I, I ended up at UCLA, which was a total miracle. And I ended up with the best doctors at UCLA, which was another total miracle. And, um, you know, I had to go through a couple of rounds of chemo just because, you know, they put your name on a registry and I don't have any full blood siblings. So Mm. there was no opportunity for a transplant through family. Mm. So they just put you on a list. And, um, at the time I was still leading worship at, at, you know, at, at a church and I was doing that kind of thing, but I mean that litter and, and singing at Mastro's mm. too. Um, so I was just kind of doing all the other little gigs and, and I just kept getting weaker and sicker and sicker and, mm. you know, God just kind of plucked me out of my life and put me over here in this completely foreign place but I knew I wasn't going to die because too many things hadn't happened in my life yet. (laughs) Mm. I was like, no, 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 Mm -hmm. This is not, no, I'm not buying into this, you know? And, um, so they put me on a registry and, and until they found a donor, they just had to keep going through rounds of chemo and and whatever, just to keep me in remission. And, um, so the, awe and I told God, I was like, okay, if you want me to have a bone marrow, I know you're going to heal me. I know you're going to heal me. I just don't know how it's going to happen. You could just snap your fingers and it could all go away, Mm. but that's probably not likely. I was like, or the chemo is going to do it. But if you want me to have a bone marrow transplant, I need a perfect 10 out of 10 match. Like Mm. that's how I'm going to know this is the way you want me to go. Mm -hmm. And um, there were no matches for a long time. Mm. And my friends did like bone marrow drives at um, the KSBR birthday bash. Mm. Um, they set up a booth and, you know, people were like swabbing their cheeks and, you know, trying to get, you know, donors and all this stuff. And a friend of mine, um, ended up not being my match, but she ended up being a match for somebody else. Mm. And ultimately, this is a crazy story. Ultimately she, she was adopted and she ended up donating to a family member (gasps) that she didn't know. So because of all of this that I had to go through and because she tried to help me out, she ends up. Finding her her whole family that oh she never knew. My gosh, I know, so amazing. Which wow. right there just made the whole thing worth it for me, you know. <sighs> um, yeah, but ultimately, um, on my, uh, I we ended up finding a match, mm-hmm. a perfect match, but for whatever reason, you know, they investigated it and it it wasn't going to work out either. She was sick or she wasn't available. Something didn't work it out. So they were going to go with a stem cell, which was not. perfect match and i was like uh god that's not what we said (laughs) i said a perfect match you know and then on my birthday on seven seven i got a call from the lady um the coordinator and she said i just happened to look on the registry again and i found you a perfect 10 out of 10 match wow and i was like okay we're doing this and so Mm. on august 5th um i had a bone marrow transplant and, um, then a few months after, so, you know, that was incredibly successful. And, you know, what, what year was that? again? That was in 2015. Okay. So I just had my fourth rebirth day. They call it a rebirth day mm. when you, cause they basically have to kill you and then bring you back to life, you know? So you have four days of total body radiation, four days mm. of crazy chemo, and then one day off and then the transplant, which is basically for the donor or for the recipient, it's a, like a blood transfusion. So it's really not, you know, super uneventful but because of all the radiation and chemo you're in the hospital and you know that part's hard and I was just you know sleeping through it hitting the morphine button every 15 minutes just to get through it because that part was really uncomfortable but um you know as my numbers got up and I got out of the hospital and you know ended up going back home um in November end of November um and then December hit and Glenn Fry passed away And I was like, I wonder if I'm going to hear from Joe because I know he's not one to just sit and mourn. Like he's going to want to go and do something. And Mm -hmm. lo and behold, like a week and a half later, I get a call from his manager, Smokey. Hey, how you feeling? (laughs) You doing okay? And I mean, I was only what, six months out of my transplant at that point, which for most people, it's like unheard of. You're not working or doing anything. Like you're still on like 30 medications and like, you can barely even get yeah. up around the room. And, you know, I was able to move around and stuff, but I was still really weak, but he's like, ha, you want to come out on tour? And I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so literally with like short, short, tiny little hair, I had crazy moon face. Cause I was on so many steroids. Like I was probably like, Aww. I looked, you know, you get like a moon face, like they call <laughs> it moon face, where your face blows up. And I gained like 30 pounds, just in a week from all the steroids, but, Mm. but I, you know, and I asked my doctor, I was like, Hey, so Joe called and asked if I could go out on tour. Do you think that would be okay? And my doctor, he was like, Yeah, great. Go for it. We'll just get you all your meds that you need, and you can go do your thing. Oh, great. My my nurse <laughs> practitioner, on the other hand, yeah. she's the one that's kind of been with me side by side. She's yeah. like, "You're every gray hair I have is because of you." <laughs> 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 but I was like, "Listen, you didn't save my life for me not to live it. I have uh, to go. Like, I have to do this. Like, this is my whole life. Like, this is what mm. I, I need. I need to do this." And so packed up with all my medications. I went on tour six months after a bone marrow transplant, wow. which is like unheard of. Most people don't even work for at least a year, a year and a half, two years. And that's like day job, desk job stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we were traveling, going from yes. place to place. And, you know, I literally slept every moment I wasn't on stage, but, mm. I, and I, I didn't even care that I looked a wreck. Mm. (laughs) I was like, I don't even care. I don't even care that I have moon phase and I'm way more than I normally do. And, you know, normally insecurity would have just barreled me down, but I was just like, I don't even care. I'm just so happy to be alive and to be singing with my tour family again. Mm. And it was, you know, and, and the support that I got, you know, from, from Joe and his wife, Marjorie, like even going through the whole thing, like that, she called me like every week checking in to see how I was doing Mm. Joe's wife. And it was just, it was a really incredible time. So that's kind of what I was doing after, Mm -hmm. after the touring with Joe, you know, I got sick and I went through that whole thing, but I made it through on the other side and, and then, um, I ended up moving out to the desert Mm -hmm. to Palm Springs, um, after that tour, um, to be close to my other friend, the one that owns the restaurants because she and my mom were the ones that were taking care of me through the whole thing. So Mm. they just wanted me to be close to one of them just in case something happened and someone would know how to, you know, take care of me. Yeah. And, um, and then she bought the restaurant farm Mm -hmm. and, um, it was just a breakfast lunch thing at the time, but eventually they started doing dinner and I said, well, when you start doing dinner, I'll, I'll sing, I'll sing at your restaurant. Mm -hmm. And so I've been there ever since. Mm. and uh, I've been here living out here for about three and a half years now, almost four years. Mm. Um, but I'm still, I mean, even though I got that new car, I've already got almost 80,000 miles on it. Cause I'm driving to LA and orange County all the time, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. So, and now I'm just out here and I'm working. I've got four nights at the restaurant and I do right. sessions when I can and right. you know, do, I've got a lot of private events coming up, which has been a great blessing and yeah, you know, learning new things. I'm teaching myself how to play guitar, finally. Beautiful. Because, um, you know, it's it's important to know how to, especially if you want to be a songwriter, you got to have a vehicle to help you get this stuff out. Mm. <laughs> and singing always came so naturally that anything that was hard, I would just get really frustrated. And I would just, I can't do this. And I'd put it away. Yes. You know, and um, so I bought a really nice guitar, Mm-hmm. and uh, you know a nice little martin so that you know if i invested a little bit in there i'd feel more inclined to actually practice and mm-hmm. starting to get okay my strumming is a little funny but you know yeah. you know it's okay to be really good at one thing and learn other things you know, absolutely absolutely learning is we're never done yes you no know, we're never done learning i take you know like the tim davis Session singer classes. I actually did one of those while I was going through chemo mm. um, just because I wanted to do something. You know, yeah. I showed up with my little bald head and my mom helped me in through the door because ah. I could barely walk, but I just wanted to do something mm-hmm. to make me feel like I was not settling for what had been dealt to me, but was actually yeah. doing what I wanted to do. And yeah. it's always coming back to singing. Yes. You know, I love that yeah
1: do you feel um like there is uh something that you transformed in that experience is there a an a leslie pre um all of that and a a leslie after
0: all of all of that oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, yes. (laughs) A lot of things went down in that experience. A lot of things went down. I mean, you know, having had issues with my mom with all the stuff growing up, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and really becoming so independent because of all of that and really not having, even though she was there, she wasn't always there. So I just didn't trust her. And then being literally forced to have her carry me, you know, and really humbling myself to release all of my anger and resentments and really lack of respect and humble myself to allow to receive was a huge, huge thing for me. Um, it really was a very humbling time because, you know, I had to receive help on, on so many fronts on financial fronts. Yeah. You know, my friends threw a fundraiser for me and, and raised a lot of money. And I, I had to receive that
1: Mm. because I
0: needed it. You know, I need, I, I I didn't like to need anything from anybody. I wanted to be completely independent, not ever, be a burden on anybody mm-hmm. not ev- you know and so to literally be put in a position where i had to have somebody carry me uh, you know it changed me and it really it healed it more than healed my relationship with my mom it sealed my relationship with oh her. my gosh it sealed it in a really incredible way to now where like we're so close
1: well, and
0: in regard to everything else like things that I cared about, things that I worried about, stressed about Mm -hmm. are just not even on the table anymore. You know, when you're literally facing death and I was, I mean, the type of leukemia that I had was rare in adults and more rare in women. Mm. And then I had a very special chromosome called the Philadelphia chromosome, which just bumped the production of those toxic cells into a high gear. Oh my God. And so I, I used to joke, I was like, gosh, I'm not even mature enough to get adult cancer. (laughs) You know, you know, and I just had to laugh through it. Uh, And really, honestly, it just, it solidified my faith in God, like through that time, mm -hmm. like I mean, there were so many things like I knew that this was something I had to walk through and I knew that he was going to be right there by my side. And he was, you know, the things that he lined up, the doors that he opened, even the, you know, like I had three rounds of chemo. I had 40 days on like 40 days of wilderness, you know, like even certain, even getting the final um, call that I had a a donor on my birthday, seven, seven. Mm. seven's the number of completion, like so many things. It just really, it, it reiterated my faith in a way that will never be shaken. Mm. It's incredible. And and then it just, it changed my whole perspective on, especially my intentions. Like I've really been checking my intentions. Like, why am I doing this? Mm. doing yes. this because I'm looking for some sort of approval. Mm. Is this triggering some sort of one of my abandonment issues or my rejection issues or, you know, whatever it is, it's really, it, it has completely changed all of my priorities. Mm. And really, it's freed me, honestly. It's, it's brought a lot of freedom because I think we're so bound to the expectations of this world and especially the expectations of this industry mm. and what people expect of us and what people expect of themselves and expect of their career and expect of this and expect of that. There's so many expectations
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they and some, and some of those are like toxic, mm. you know, some of those are damning. Some of those are just bondage. Like mm. even that cruise ship job, like I could have, yeah, I could have continued on with my, you know, an eating disorder and, you know, binged and purged my way through another contract, mm. but I would have been more depressed, more miserable, more, unhappy, more unsatisfied. Um, I would have hated myself even more than I already did. Mm. And for what? <laughs> I know, right? Another six or seven months on a ship, like you know, like, yeah. you know, another job, another point on my resume, you mm. know, it, it's just changed what I care about. Mm. You know, and it's really freed me because now I I feel like I don't need to do things because I'm not lining up with the world. Mm. I'm just lining up with my heart and God's heart. And what do I want my life to be at the end? Mm. Like, do I want it to have a laundry list of accomplishments? Or do I want to have a laundry list of people that I've impacted, of hearts that I've touched, of moments that I've had with people? You know, those are the things at the end of our life that we actually get to carry with us. Yeah you know, we get to carry those things on to wherever we end up after this life, not just the resume and Hey, a resume is great. I'm not knocking it at all. Like I would love to do a lot of incredible things and I'm not going to stop doing, I'm not going to stop reaching for those things. But I think it's the difference between having vision and dreams and and really going for it Mm -hmm. and like clawing our way Mm -hmm. and like our our knuckles in the dirt, just like suffering Mm. for it you know, I think there's a big difference. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, like, even when it comes to artists, like, I think I've really sort of defined myself more as an artist than a entertainer. Mm. Because, like, I think about, you know, Picasso or Monet, like, did they paint what they painted for the audience they were expecting it to see? You know, am I singing for an audience that I think they need to hear this particular thing. So I'm going to sing these things so that these people hear me mm. or do I just sing what I need to sing? Cause I need to sing it. Mm. And then the people that need to hear it will show up. Yeah. The people that needed to see that artwork will seek it out. You know, um, it's just given, you know, the, going through all that has really just changed my whole perspective on the drive mm. of why I'm doing what I'm doing, you know, yes. and yeah, it's freedom. It really, it's, I'm, th- I'm sitting here going like, wow, <laughs> Like as I'm saying this, I'm, I'm going, wow, really? Like it's, it's really freedom because I was in so much bondage for so long. Mm. You know, the fear of rejection, the fear of abandonment, the fear of, you know, I need to do all these things. So everybody likes me. Uh, yeah. You know, yes. because wh- who am I, if nobody likes me, who am I, if nobody hears me, well, you know, I figured out, the who I am without all that. Mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's
1: such a huge, that is so huge. Mm -hmm. That is so huge. You know, the parent stuff, the, I mean, our parents, you know, they're so important to us. Um, You know, I've had my own stuff to work through and you can get a perspective on them as human beings and on yourself as this person who came through them. But you know, isn't them and their decisions aren't you know all weren't really about you you know in a way at least that's what I you know had to come to with with my own stuff. It's it's such a tough thing I think to come to and then like look at your look at yourself and look at your life uh, separate sort of. Mm-hmm. There is that. There is connection. There is you know, all of the things that we believe in, but then there's just, you know, what's my purpose and what's my impact gonna be, you know? Right. And why did all of this happen? And who mm-hmm. did it need to make me into so that I could contribute in this way?
0: Yeah. you know, I, Yeah, it's, it's funny. I actually, I say this a lot, but I, I stopped asking why mm. a long time ago. Yes. Because ultimately when we get on the other side, we're gonna see why. Oh God! Like even with the stuff, you know, growing up with, with, and, and the musician, his name was Prince, not the artist formerly known as, but his name was Prince Robinson. He was a guitar player. Mm. And I used, I cried myself to sleep every night praying to God, why, why is this guy here? Why, 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 why won't he leave? Like he literally wouldn't leave, you know, for like eight years, nine years. He was just there. Mm. And ultimately though, as I grew up later and I was in a relationship that was toxic mm. and I was able to recognize oh, this guy is like this guy. Oh my gosh. And I was able to walk away mm. because I had gone through what I had already gone through. I wasn't gonna do it again. Mm. You know, and, and I saw in that moment that's why I went through this. And then, you know, going through what I went through over here, and then I get on the other side and I go, oh that's why i went through this you know mm-hmm. and and it just goes to show like all things work together for good yeah you know and there's another scripture that i lean on it says what satan meant for evil god means for good mm. and like you know taking all of those things and understanding you know, I stopped asking why, and I started asking when <laughs> I don't need to know why this is happening. I just need to know when it's over. <laughs> so I have something to look forward to. <laughs> yes. I love Give that. Give me the perseverance to get through because when you're going through hell, don't stop. Right. <laughs> you yes. just got to keep walking. Keep going.
1: You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love it.
0: What
1: would your, you know, we've had, I've come across so many singers, uh, you know, who have, um, struggled with illness, you know, we recently had Valerie Gillio on who had had a stroke Mm. and, um, you know, uh, I know singers who are dealing with like ALS and just things Mm -hmm. that, you know, um, maybe they feel when they're in the midst of it, pull them out of their purpose and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, But, and a a singer who is going deaf, like inevitably she will be deaf, you know? And um, I've come across a few singers like who are are going through that um, Mm. specific thing, which I think is, you know, completely, uh, you know, (laughs) what does that tell you? But um, what would be your your advice as a singer who's who's gone through, you know, such transformative illness, I guess?
0: Well, I mean, my number one is God.
1: Uh
0: So if you have any faith in you at all, all it takes is a mustard seed Mm. to do miracles. Mm. Even if you don't necessarily 100% believe, I think just putting your faith and hope in that place, miracles can happen. And I think it's hard when we face things like that because, you know, we're programmed to base the rest of our life off of what other people who have been through that went through. Mm. And so what I would say is what I did is I, 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 I did not put my identity in that thing. Mm. I said, I never said I have leukemia. I said, the doctors say diagnosis is this, I never put it on like a jacket with a name on the back Mm. as my identity. I kept myself separate from it and I just said, okay, this is something I'm going through. Mm. And I said, and I even, because you know, that whole time I felt no inspiration to sing, not one note. Mm. I would try and I would just be like, ugh, I don't even want to right now. The only thing I could sing was I sang along to a Dairy Queen commercial. And it was like, I'm a fan of DQ. I'm a fan of DQ Bakes, Bakes, DQ. You know, it was so stupid. But, and I just thought, okay, like I may never sing again. Mm. That may be what it is. I mean, especially after my transplant, I, I took a voice lesson. Just to you know, get my feet wet again, and I literally sounded like my eighty-year-old grandmother. Like I had no control, mm. no vibrato. Like my vibrato was just all over the map. Mm. I it was just, and I, my mom was sitting outside, and she was like, "Oh my gosh! Like, oh my gosh! Like, sh- will she ever be able to sing again?" Mm. And ultimately, yes. You know, I think nothing until we're off this planet can keep us from living our passion and, and, and making you, even if you can't hear, like, it's in you, it's in you. Like, and I've, I've seen people that, I mean, it's, I I just, I would just say, like, don't settle for what the diagnosis says is going to be the rest of your life. Mm. Believe that there is more. I think the fact that I just chose not to believe what the doctors were going to say Mm. I chose not to believe it. I still walked it out. I still did everything that they told me to do. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's not like I just said, okay, forget it. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to do my own thing. No, I I did what the doctor said. And, but I chose to believe in miracles. Mm. It's a choice. Like I chose to be happy. I chose t- to be joyful about it. I chose to be funny. I chose to watch episode after episode of Impractical Jokers and Dog the Bounty Hunter, because he's just funny as all get out. Like one minute he's, you know, get down mother effer. And the next minute he's like, let's pray. <laughs> you know, like, it just, it's just, you know, I just, you have, it's, it's about making a choice to not be the victim of your circumstances, but looking at it and being like, okay, I got to go through this. And you know what, if I can if I can never sing again, I can whistle, I can pick up drumming, I can do, you know, there are so many other alternatives and it's just about not letting what the doctors say, determine how the rest of your life is going to be because Mm. it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be because they're practicing. They just practice medicine. Like nothing about anything that the doctors say is like 100% for sure because I've seen people who they said were never going to have babies, have babies. I've seen people that have said, they're never going to walk again. Walk again. I've seen people that said, they're never going to see again have vision. I've seen people that say they were never going to be able to hear have be able to hear, you know, it's, and, and I would just say, Like, just keep fighting against those things and saying, no, I'm going to believe for more than that. I'm going to believe for more than that. I'm going to believe for more than that, because why not? Yeah. What's the alternative? Settling? Yeah. Okay. You know, it's it's it, we have we have choices in this life, mm. and I always try my very best to choose life, to choose joy, to choose hope, to choose faith, to choose the unimaginable, mm. because you know, for a long time, people thought the world was flat. <laughs> For a long time, people thought that, you know, lightning couldn't be harnessed and we couldn't have electricity. You know, there are so many incredible things that have happened because we just believe for more. And so that's what I would say is just reach outside of what the world says and believe for something extraordinary because it is possible.
1: Oh my gosh. So beautifully put. So beautifully
0: put. Thank you. Thank love you. That. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Thank you for that. My gosh.
0: <laughs> Preach, I know. Preach. I love it. Let me get off my soapbox. Oh Hold on. No. <laughs> my gosh.
1: That's so inspiring. I'm like, so moved by that. Um, oh. where could we find
0: you online? Um, so, uh, my album heart songs is on Amazon, iTunes, Spotify. It's pretty much on all the things. And that's the project that I just came out with, with, um, Tony Guerrero. Nice. And I had a really incredible band. I had, um, Dave Enos on bass, um, Steve DeStanislau on drums, uh, Will Braum on guitar. Oh, that's great. Bill Cantos on, um, piano. Um, Tony played trumpet. I had, um, Doug Webb on saxophone. Mm. I, am and I had a, I mean, it was just, it's such a beautiful record. Like even take me out of it. Just the musicians themselves are just insanely good. So yeah, you can get it on all the things and, and just enjoy it. I wrote three songs on there. Mm. One of them is called, um, where did I go wrong? That's the one I wrote about my Mm. ex-husband. I wrote another one uh, with Tony called um, I'm fine with romance. Mm. And um, that's kind of just a fun little ditty about like, you know, you know, I can be strong and independent, but you can still pay for my meal. That's cool. Like you could still, you know, put a little jacket on me if I'm cold, you know, like, yeah. and, you know, just kind of finding the balance between, you know, um, feminism and, and letting a man be a man too, you know? Mm. Um, and, uh, and then the third one I wrote with Tony is called another rainy day and they're all kind of in that same jazzy vein, you mm. know, so they're like new songs, but They sound old which is kind of fun Mm. Um, and then the rest are just songs that you know speak to my heart that's why the album's called heart songs love it so some of them are happy some of them are sad some of them are you know little of this and a little of that but Mm. um it's a fun record yeah beautiful oh what's your website uh my website is um lesliepagemusic.com um it does not have a calendar on it (laughs) I am very behind on all of those things because I am terrible with self-promotion and the business aspect of my entire life, but I'm working (laughs) on it. Um, I do post on Facebook too. So, um, you can find me on, um, Leslie page music on Facebook and, um, I try to update things (laughs) as much Mm. as possible, but again, I'm Uh, really bad at it. Slap me on the wrist, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, um, those are all the things that you can find me on right now. And Yeah,
1: great. Well, thank you again so much for just your candidness. And, you know, just being you. This was beautiful. Really wonderful. Thank Thank you. you.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: All right, guys. How much did you enjoy that? I really did. I'm so glad I got to talk to Leslie. So let's get into the singing lessons. Number one, the important thing for any artist to know is why we're doing what we do. Number two, Nothing until we're off this planet can keep us from living our passion. Number three, don't settle for what the diagnosis says is going to be the rest of your life, Mm, amen. Number four, there are so many incredible things that have happened because we just believe for more. Reach outside of what the world says and believe for something extraordinary because it is possible. Absolutely, truly you guys. I love that so much. This is some of the greatest advice. And for show notes and everything that we talked about, any links we discussed on the show, please go to the com, and you can find all of that there. So let's do a quick listener shout out to Lisa M who messaged me on Facebook. She says, "Hey girl, I just want to thank you again for being such an amazing resource and singer." in this community, your podcast has been so impactful for me. I appreciate you and all you are doing so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Lisa. I really do appreciate that. Really and truly, you have no idea. I do have those moments and that could have been, <laughs> I think that was one of those moments where I'm just like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What's happening? What's going on with my life? Blah, blah, blah. You know, all the thoughts we have that we indulge sometimes and so that it really does make all the difference to get a note like that out of the blue so kind of you and just really thank you for taking the time to send that note that was lovely so guys you want to get in contact let me know what you think Um, any people that you any other singers that you might think would be interesting for the podcast send me an email at hello at the working singer dot com you can also message me on instagram at jamila ford music that's j-a-m-i-l-a-f-o-r-d music and while we're talking about social media um join the facebook group the um working singer podcast community look that up in your search um in your facebook search and type that in ask uh to be approved i'll answer the questions because it really does help me to get you uh get to know you better and i will approve you would love to see you on the page would love to hear your contribution to any of the conversations um we've got a couple of events coming up a couple of events coming up let's enunciate (laughs) tuesday november 19th at 9 p.m at the boulevard bar in pasadena Please come to that if you are in town. It's always a fun jam night. Um, There's a pianist there, Larry Evans, um, who's invited us. He has a night there, I believe it's every Tuesday. And uh, we have been there a few times this year to partake. And it is just a fun, fun time. So I hope to see you guys there. And then the next event after that is Saturday, December 14th at 2 p.m. at a private home in Calabasas so become a member of the Facebook group go to the invite RSVP yes and you will receive the details for that event oh I want to talk about what I'm loving right now from time to time I will have that segment I may have it every week <laughs> um, but I just read finished a book called the four agreements I might have mentioned a little bit about it on the last episode but, you know, guys, if you're looking for um, just something that is qu- a quick, easy read, yet just some of the deepest information you will ever read, and you will probably need to read this thing 10 times because there are so many lessons to get from it. But it is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Just one of the best things I've read in such a long time. And so, what the four agreements are, and he really dives deep into these. What can I say? I think trans it transforms you. That's the word of the of the day on the podcast. But um, I, it's just made me think so much, and they're such simple things. But so, the four agreements are these: number one, be impeccable with your word. Number two, don't take anything personally. Number three, don't make assumptions. And number four, always do your best. And they sound like simple things, but really, I mean, when he talks about being impeccable with your word, (laughs) I mean, it's really say what you mean and mean what you say. And that sounds simple. But when you get into everyday life, that's not really a simple thing. And it does take a lot of um, presence and strength to practice that. You know, the same with, you know, not making assumptions and not taking anything personally. And nowhere in this book does he ever say that you have to do it perfectly or you're a giant failure. You know, he does acknowledge like how tough it is. And that's why he says always do your best, um, which I think is just some of the best advice. But definitely on the don't make assumptions Section which is basically don't gossip. (laughs) That's that's um, that's a tough one because you know sometimes we like to get together and gossip. Let's be honest, honest. But um, it is a it's beyond that. It is beyond that. Um, You know, it goes beyond just gossiping and really asking questions of people that you need clarity from and. Not just assuming that this thing that they said or did means what you think it means. And just by asking for clarity and confronting the situation, you can save yourself a ton of suffering. None of this is easy. I mean, they all sound like simple things. And some of us have an easier time doing that than others. But I think, you know, it's, it's really amazing advice and, and does give us a lot to chew on. I'll just put it that way. I'm going to start rereading this book tonight. I finished it on my trip to San Francisco <laughs> over the weekend, and I'm going to start reading. Rere- I mean, it's it's just so good, and you know, it's one of those things that you pick up and you get something different out of every time, and it's a pretty short book. It's like a one and a half hour read, basically, but um, yeah, really um, potent. And um, packed with things that are just so important to think about. And um, definitely things that you want to just kind of fold into your life, you know. Um, So that's a little tip. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. I'll make a note to put that in the show notes as well. So you don't have to remember. Well, I think that's it for this week. But be sure to listen for the bonus episode. That'll be up on Thursday. I'm really excited about that. And, you know, as always, I love to hear your thoughts, what you think, uh, anything that you want to hear talked about on the show. Anybody you would like to suggest I interview, um, I always take that. Uh, So many guests from the show have been requests from you guys, uh, suggestions, referrals from you guys. So keep them coming because, you know, I, I love your engagement. I love to see and hear, you know, I love to hear about what you think. Let me know. All right, guys, so that's it for today. Thank you again so much for listening. I do love you. I appreciate you, and I will talk to you again soon.